Good morning. Today is Friday, December 16th, 2022. There is a problem in the structure of this week's Torah portion, the Parsha Vayeshev. The portion begins with the narrative of Yosef and his brothers. It very quickly deteriorates. We see the enmity and the the possibility of violence against Yosef, and then he is sold into slavery. Then we have an interruption of a completely different subject. I'll come back to it in a moment. And then at the end of the Parsha, we resume with Yosef. At the beginning of the Parsha, he is sold into Egypt, and then we meet him in Egypt in Egypt, now working for Potiphar, and then he gets put in prison and he listens to the dreams. But there is this large interruption in the middle of our Torah portion concerning the narrative of Yehuda and Tamar, which we discussed briefly earlier this week. Tamar marries the son of Yehuda. Her husband dies. Tamar marries the second son of Yehuda. That husband dies. Tamar remains part of Yehuda's household, but does not marry the third son. And then there is a point where um, Tamar is pregnant. Yehuda um, suspects that she has done something illicit, and Yehuda realizes that he is the one who had made the mistake. And he says, Tzad many. she is more righteous than I am. But that narrative, that narrative takes many, many years. Married to one husband, married to another husband, relationship with Tamar, becoming pregnant, that's, that's over a period of years. By the way, we don't even know chronologically when that happened. Did it happen before Yosef was sold? Yosef was only 17 years old at that time. Did it happen after Yosef was sold and it was during the period of time Yosef was already in Egypt? The Torah doesn't even tell us, but why does the Torah interrupt the narrative, finish with the story of Yosef? Yehuda and Tamar is separate. Put it earlier, put it later, but tell the story of Yosef as one story. Start with, excuse me, start with selling, and then in Egypt, and then the dream, and then uh, rising to second in command. Why is it interrupted like this? Excuse me. So there are a number of different answers that are given, but I want to share with you an answer that is based on a line in the Talmud, which itself is based on a passage in the Midrash, where our rabbis tell us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Maktim Refua Lamaka. God provides the cure before God provides the illness. In other words, Yehuda is the one who is going to be selected by Yaakov that from him kings will come including David Amela, King David, who was a descendant of Judah, and also including the Mashiach, the Messiah that we are awaiting. Mashiach will be a descendant of Yehuda. Before the Jewish people begin the process of going into exile in Egypt, which starts at its very earliest moment, when Yosef goes to Egypt, remember, he's the first one. Of course, there's a whole long story and an unfolding and development of the narrative until they are 
fully, the Jewish people are fully in Egypt and, and enslaved in Egypt, but the, the beginning of that is Yosef. Yosef is the first one. So in order for God to demonstrate that he has provided the cure before the disease, the cure for the exile is Mashiach, already the person from whom Mashiach will be descended is in place before the narrative of going into exile begins. HaKadosh Baruch Hu makdim God provides the cure before the disease. That's why the narrative is interrupted with Yehuda, because as a result of the narrative with Tamar, even though Yehuda does not look like such a uh, moral, highly regarded person, but the most important part of the narrative is when Yehuda admits that he made a mistake, right? We've discussed this before. Leadership is not dependent on being perfect and not making mistakes. Leadership is based on making mistakes and then taking responsibility for them. And that is what Yehuda does when he says about Tamar, Tzad many. she is more righteous than me. He recognizes his mistake and takes responsibility for it. So he is already in a position where his descendants can become leaders before Yosef even goes down to Egypt, beginning the process of exile. Now, this um, <clears throat> structure is a theme that's repeated throughout the Torah. Yosef just happens to be in Egypt as a prisoner at a time seven years before there's going to be a famine. So Yosef just happens to be the one to come up with the proposal about how Egypt and, by extension, the rest of the world will survive this terrible uh, famine that's, that's about to come in seven years. When we get to the story of Purim, Esther just happens to be the queen at the time that Haman makes his decree against the Jews. So the the solution, right, the cure of how to be able to undo Haman's evil doing is already in place before Haman comes up with his decree. And we see it in other places as well. But I want to make it clear that this is more than just some type of literary device to show us that God is in charge, putting things out of chronological order to show us that the cure is already there before the illness strikes. In fact, this concept has two very practical levels of meaning in our everyday lives. Number one, this teaches us that when there is a problem in our life, the question to ask is not, is there a solution, but will I find the solution? Now, the difference between the two may sound subtle, but it makes all the difference in the world. Because very often, one of the biggest problems in facing a serious problem is paralysis. We just don't, we just don't know what to do. We just don't know where to turn. It doesn't seem like there's anything that we can do. So, to understand that there is a solution but I have to find it, that's not just good advice about 
crisis management strategy, the Torah is teaching us that that is true. Listen to this dramatic example. Now, this example comes from Sefer Malachim, the Book of Kings, when Elisha is the prophet, we actually read this passage as the Haftorah on the Parsha Vayera. We learn that there is a woman and she comes to Elisha and she cries before him. Her husband died. She has no income. She's destitute. She owes money to people. And she's afraid that, that, that the creditors are going to take away her children, God forbid, and she's so poor she has no way to support herself or feed herself or her children. So Alicia gives her the following advice. He says to her, what do you have in your house? She says, I don't have anything in my house except for a little jar of oil. And Alicia says to her, take every single utensil receptacle, receptacle in your home and take that little bit of oil and start pouring it. And she does this, and a miracle occurs, and every single receptacle she has is filled to the top with olive oil. It's like a precursor to the Hanukkah story. And she's able then to have all of this valuable olive oil that she can then sell and be able to buy other things and to be able to support herself. Okay, so it's a miracle that Alicia does through the oil, to help this poor woman be able to support herself. But listen carefully, please, to the words that Alicia says to her. When she comes to him to complain, Vayomer eleha Elisha, Elisha says to her, Hagidili, tell me, ma yesh loch babayis, what do you have in your house? Rabbi J.J. Schachter points out, listen carefully to those words. Elisha did not say to her, do you have anything in your house? Do you have the possibility of some kind of solution, even if I want to help you? That's not what Elisha says. Elisha says, my yeshlok babayas, you have the solution. The answer is already there. Not only is the answer already there, it is in your house. The only thing you have to do is identify where in your house this solution is. What object in your house will the solution come from? My yeshlak babayas means there is already an answer. God has prepared an answer, a solution, before the disease, before the illness. What we have to do is we have to look for it. We have to identify what it will be that will help us. That's level number one. But the deeper level is to show us in this pattern that God provides the cure before the illness that the purpose of the illness is to bring us to the cure that God has already prepared. The purpose of the obstacle is to bring us to the solution that is already there, we just need to find it. Now, obviously, we would choose to go directly to the cure, to go directly to the solution. Or we would even prefer maybe to avoid both. <laughs> don't bring me the problem and don't give me the solution, but just don't bring me the problem to begin with. Okay, well, 
We don't really have a say over that. <clears throat> but here's the question, here's the point. We are supposed to get to where we are in response to what happens to us. That is where God wants us to be heading. So, when something challenging arises in our lives, the question to ask is not, why did this happen to me? Yes, of course, we can ask that question, but we can't know an answer. As Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel puts it, God writes straight in crooked lines. We are not the final arbiter of meaning. In this world, God does not grant us the ability to know the answer to the question of why bad things happen to us. But the question that we should be asking is, where should this challenge take me? To what solution is this challenge supposed to lead me? I heard this story from my grandfather who heard it from Rabbi Beryl Levy who was a close disciple of the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson. It's an incredible story. A woman once came to the Lubavitcher Rebbe and she said to him, I'm supposed to travel to see my daughter and her family, but I had a dream that the plane will crash. What should I do? Lubavitcher Rebbe said to her, go on the trip, you'll be fine. A couple days later, she returned to the Lubavitcher Rebbe and she said to him, I had the dream again, and this time the dream was even more vivid. What should I do? I'm so nervous about taking this trip that I had this dream now twice that the plane is going to crash. Lubavitcher Rebbe said to her, don't worry, go on the trip. She went on the trip. The plane did crash, but she and the other passengers survived. But she came back to the Lubavitcher Rebbe and she said to him, but you knew. You saw what happened. Obviously, you knew. Why didn't you tell me not to go? And Lubavitcher Rebbe answered her, Was it so bad for you to go on that plane and save the lives of all the other passengers? There is a solution. One way or another, I must get to that solution. But the solution is there. And that's the lesson we learn from the interrupted narrative in this week's Torah portion. My friends, I want to wish you a great day, a wonderful Shabbos, and I look forward to seeing you soon in person.